Jeff Cameron Show, at least for today. Thanks for tuning to it. Hope you're well. Appreciate you tuning on in. I'm Jeff. That is Director Matthew. We are online at ESPNTallahassee.com. You can always go there to listen live via the streaming free always. If you miss anything, get caught up at your leisure as we'll post all three hours to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. You should find it. should populate. Email the show if you like, jcs at 97.espinradio.com. Find me on Twitter at jcameronshow. Hello, YouTubers. Good to be with you. Hope, uh, hope you're enjoying the show as well. This is the week. It all really gets underway. It's time to get excited. ACC kickoff, SEC kickoff, media days, if you will, as uh, teams begin to give you a glimpse of what they're thinking, a window, as I have said, into expectations. Um, but also the, the the sign that things are are beginning in earnest as they center around the world of college and pro football. Uh, this week we begin camps in the NFL, Steelers, and Cowboys, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Got the Hall of Fame game in a couple of weeks. Of course, FSU opens up camp first week of August. But this is usually the signifier. This is where you get excited because you know now everything is full steam ahead towards the start of college football and i said uh, on the show several times today we'll continue to say 39 days in a wake up kids 39 days in a wake up and college football is underway i don't think there's any debate there matthew on uh what sounds better you know not six weeks 39 days in a wake up yeah for sure yeah that sounds better also a little doffing of the cap to my good friend David Hale, who writes for ESPN.com, covers college football, the ACC in particular. He's doing his, uh, you know, preseason statistical uh, analysis, lays out the numbers for you. I was reading during the break, for example, that FSU averaged 3.06 yards before contact per rush when running to the left side last year, just a tick behind North Carolina for the best in the entire. Atlantic Coast Conference. Even when you factor out quarterback runs, by the way, FSU was still number two in the ACC um, in, in in designed run yards, so you know, yard, yards uh, blocked, uh, you know, per carry. And, and and now the pass blocking, of course, was was abysmal. It was very much an issue, and those numbers were revealed as well. I only bring that up to say this: that it's just fun to read those, use those as. Um, a collective uh, way of, 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 you know, it's not just those numbers. It's that. It's what you saw. It's against the competition that you saw. It's who those players were, how many of them are back, what's going to be decidedly different. These are all just ways to measure where your team is, where they're going. It's just one more factor. But it's great to have it. It's great to have the information, uh, especially in a week in which you know that the collective media is off to Charlotte to to start to talk to Mike Norvell and talk start to talk to these players, they send Jermaine Johnson, as I mentioned. They send, uh, you know, in my mind, Mackenzie Milton's going to win this job. But he goes, and he goes with the guy he's competing against, Jordan Travis, as representatives. Should be interested to hear how that goes. I'm very interested to hear the tenor of Mike Norvell's conversations with the press because he's walking a fine line of trying to uh, 
um, show the, the the excitement and enthusiasm he has for the upcoming season and for the kids that remain on this roster who are working hard to get this thing turned around and also to at least project something of uh, a realist point of view about what's possible this season. And, you know, they're, you're seeing, for example, uh, adjusted win totals on the year. They're out again uh, as we have uh, right off the bat William Hill giving us new numbers on UCLA, on Memphis, on Penn State, on Oregon, Syracuse, Louisville, Southern Cal, Boston College, Arizona State. You can go back through and find them all. Have fun with it. Start doing your homework. Get homework. Get your numbers ready. It's good. If you missed the first hour of the show where I had tweeted out earlier that I was going to have a big announcement about the future plans for the Jeff Cameron show uh, and then had to note that... um, well, I, it was a misstep. I did not reveal what that is. I will later in the week. I was told to stand down, Cameron. We're not there yet. Stand down. That's not what you do. It is not what you do. I screwed it up. For those of you just hopping in, what did I miss? You missed me admitting that I screwed that up by tweeting out last night that I would tell you today at the start of the show where the future of the Jeff Cameron show will be housed and uh, amongst other details. I do still have exciting details and information to come this week. It's just it's not as I thought. It's not today. It'll be later this week. So please forgive me and instead celebrate with me the excitement of the return of football. That's what I've done. You notice that I've laid it on thick today with the football because I know that is the easiest way to distract you from the mistake that I made. It's just to point out that we're 39 days in a wake-up and that NFL camps open this week and that we're going to be watching actual football in two weeks. And Okay. And look over here. You can bet on it. And also we have, as uh, I mentioned before, spoken of the open results. Colin Morikawa, your latest open champion, now has two majors in the bag by the age of 24. One of the most likable guys on tour. Steady Eddie, man. It's all fairways and greens. He is uh, accurate off the tee, lethal with his irons, and when he's making putts, he's going to win a lot of tournaments, and he made a ton of putts in this tournament. I think the most impressive part isn't that he had a hot week of putting, which people sometimes do. He's ranked 122nd on tour in putting, and he made everything. He was first in the field this week, so that's, that's pretty impressive. But a lot of pros do that. Their putting comes and goes. They're feeling it. They like the type of grass, whatever it might be. They're able – uh, they're, they're better able to read greens on some courses, some types of grass than others. Uh, so that doesn't you know, surprise me per se. It's how many tough, important putts he made while under the gun with the lead on a Sunday. It's one thing to do that Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a whole nother to do that when you have a player like Jordan Spieth and another like Louis Ustase and John Rahm making runs at you. And time and again, you quell that. You thwart those runs by making big putts, whether they're par savers or long birdies. He made, he poured in a ton of them. And uh, I thought that was the most impressive aspect of what we saw. Congrats to two Knowles, uh, Daniel Berger and Brooks Kepka, both finishing in the top 10. Brooks backdoors that top 10, that top five or six, whatever it was, um, with that low number on a Sunday. In fact, he made fun of himself for doing so. But nonetheless, man, ain't no harm in finishing another major in the top 10. He does it on the regular. It's not only lucrative, uh, but it also speaks to uh, your competitive toughness and your focus on the biggest events, which is something he has a distinct advantage uh, over the field with, as we've seen these last few years. He is going to show up when it's time to play a major. And then elsewhere, I would note 
that in addition to the Open Championship, uh, the, the, the finals game on Saturday night was tremendous. One of the best games I've seen in a very long time. Um, if you're not watching the NBA Finals, we'll join the millions that aren't because those numbers are not good. You know, all I ever ask for when I have two teams that I don't care about and I really don't have a feeling one way or the other for Phoenix or for Milwaukee. I think it's pretty cool that Milwaukee could bring home a title for the first time in 50-plus years. That's, I mean, good for that fan base. They're passionate. Good for – I root for smaller markets that have superstar players that you feel like invariably they're going to lose to some other bigger market like Los Angeles or New York or something like that. I root for them to find a way to get the title. Like, that would have been the good thing for Oklahoma City when they had that the triumvirate of dominance, if you will. You kind of felt like – if those guys could have won one for Oklahoma City, that would have been huge because you don't feel like they're going to get another chance anytime soon, that a collection of that kind of talent is not going to be in Oklahoma City anytime soon. I kind of feel like Milwaukee's the same way that at some point you'd – now I get lately, you know, Toronto won a title with Kawhi and nobody would have thought Toronto was going to win a title. Now either Milwaukee or Phoenix is going to win a title and nobody would have thought that. Phoenix never has. Milwaukee hasn't in over half a century. This is uh, – you know, it's it's great for them. It hasn't moved the needle for the public, for the rooting public. But I still think, frankly, um, it's been a compelling finals. And now you have somebody break the, the home uh, court streak and, and do so in uh, dramatic fashion with a steal and a lob for the ages. And we'll remember that one. And Giannis is changing in some ways. I don't know if there was a negative narrative about Giannis other than he far too often settled for threes. And when you're a great player... If you're an all-time great player, like an MVP, a multi-MVP winner, then you're expected to win a championship at some point. Maybe winning a championship with Milwaukee, if they do win it, means he doesn't have to walk. Because so many of these guys leave these teams because they're just chasing the ring. They're tired of hearing about how they've never won a ring, and they don't want to be the guy that, that, that leaves the game much in the same way that Charles Barkley did without a ring. Now, that, to me, doesn't lessen Charlie – Charles – Charlie – Charles Barkley's impact as a Hall of Fame player, I still think he was an amazing player. I don't look at him and say, well, he never won a championship. He can't be put in the same category as, say, these 25 players. No, of course not. But I do think that the narrative is so strong, and it's it's brought, you know, to me it's hammered home by social media and everybody having a say in the matter and these kinds of debate shows on all the major networks. These guys now feel almost like they have to leave if they don't have one. They've got to go somewhere where they know they can get one so that they don't have to hear it the rest of their careers. Maybe if Giannis were to win one in Milwaukee, he'd just stay in Milwaukee. There's no weight at that point. In many ways, I feel like it's all the more impressive. Like if LeBron had just stayed in Cleveland after doing what he did to win a championship in Cleveland, like I don't know. Would you have thought less of him if he hadn't gone to L.A. and got that title there? Did that L.A. title do anything for his legacy for you? To me, I mean, if you want to go down maybe at the end of your career as a great Laker, which I don't know that we'll ever think of him that way. Like, I don't even, like, I don't think of him as a, you know, I think of him as a Cleveland Cavalier. I don't think of him with the Miami Heat, even though I know he won there. I don't think of him with the Lakers. I think of him as a Cleveland Cavalier. Will you ever think of him as a Laker? He'd have to win like four. I don't know. It's fa- I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I, I, I like it when guys don't leave. That's why I'm sad that Damian Lillard's going to leave. Lillard's going to leave Portland, and 
that sucks. I want guys to stick where they are, and I feel like if they don't get a championship early on, they're always going to leave. Chef Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. I cannot believe that we are entering Nebraska's 10th anniversary of uh, joining the Big Ten. I bring that up because, um, you know, as I've noted throughout the day, college football on the mind, thinking about changes, thinking about once proud programs, powerful programs that have fallen on hard times, us being one of them. You always begin to uh, kind of gauge how long in your head you think it's going to take to turn things around. And whenever I get down about Florida State, it's been a tough go. That's why we're all so eager and really anticipatory for this first game against Notre Dame. Because, you know, if you can pull off an upset, and it would be a pretty significant upset. But if you can pull it off, this idea that maybe it's the dawn of a new day and things are going to be better and we can finally get off to a good start. You just would unburden yourself with these frustrations. I don't know that that's going to happen. I certainly hope that we play well, but whenever I get down about these things, I think, well, could be Nebraska. And the reason I say that is not to mock, but, you know, I've been on the air a long time and I can remember when Nebraska left the Big 12 and joined the Big Ten. We remember the big conference shakeups. We remember the state of disarray that college football found itself in. We remember the rumors that surrounded Florida State. Would Florida State join the Big 12? I mean, that was brought up, and we debated that, talked about whether or not that was a good move. We sat back and kind of, maybe not shocked, but certainly surprised as we watched West Virginia join the Big 12, a move that hasn't really worked out for them, and doesn't seem to fit, but perhaps nobody seemed more like a fish out of water for whatever reason, even though I get geographically it shouldn't be this way, than Nebraska joining the Big Ten. Now, Nebraska had already done some things to remove what they were, their their signature move, if you will, their thing that made them most recognizable and unique in the world of college football, and that was, of course, to run the triple option. And they had gone away from that. And I couldn't help but think about all these things as I was reading the story by Adam Rittenberg about them and the, and the struggles they've had since joining the Big Ten. Um, Frank Solich retired from Ohio University. Of course, Frank Solich was the last of the Nebraska coaches before taking that job, before being unceremoniously dumped to go away from the tradition of running the option and instead bring in Callahan, who then tried to modernize Nebraska football, for the thought being that you could not continue to get recruits to come to Nebraska if you did not play a more modern brand of football, a more 
pro-style offense, and with it they lost their identity, and then they left their conference, and they have never been the same. And now you have a change at athletic director as well. Trev Alberts takes over, former All-American linebacker at Nebraska. Remember him well. He was on the field the night Florida State won the national championship in 1993, and he was a menace, a really good player. Later on, you guys remember him from college game day because, of course, there he sat on the desk and later became extremely jealous. And Well, he was the college football wrap-up show and wanted the spot that Kirk Herbstreet ended up getting and was never really okay with it. And Trev is nothing if not arrogant. But he was a great player, and he is a huge Cornhusker. And now he will take over as athletic director. But this is the number that stands out and reminds me that you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. Be careful what you wish for, though, and know that uh, you have an identity and you need to recruit to it, adhere to it, recognize it, and embrace it. To walk away from it, especially after you've been immensely successful, is foolhardy. Florida State has not had to do that. Nebraska is 68-55 and 55 since joining the Big Ten all these years later. 68-55. and 55. They are just 43-41 and 41 in conference play. Two games over 500. Since 2011... Nebraska ranks 54th nationally in win percentage. They're eighth amongst Big Ten teams in that number. You've yet to win a league title. Their lone division championship came back in 2012, which then preceded a 70-31 loss to Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. The Blackshirts gave up 70 points. And by the way, Wisconsin only got to that game because Ohio State and Penn State were ineligible. And yet they dropped a 70-burger on Nebraska. It is, um, as Rittenberg notes, jarring for Nebraska, given that they won five national titles between the years 1970 and 1997. From 1963 to 2001, Nebraska captured 22 conference championships, 28 AP top 10 finishes, 22 seasons with 10 or more wins. They had only 11 seasons with three or more losses in that entire time. And it's what they do on the regular now, which is lose. Which is lose. So they've now lost five or more games in five of the last six seasons and You know, I know where we're at. I know that, you know, those in glass houses, we're struggling. I got you. But, man, what a cataclysmically poor decision that was. Oh, yeah. Good on you, Nebraska. Good luck moving forward. Just, I want to, sometimes it's good to engage in schadenfreude when you're thinking about your own frustrations. Find another elite program that had really paved the way for greatness and only to fall off a cliff. It's Jeff Cameron, Show 97.9 ESPN Radio.
Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Now, this makes a lot of sense, and I have wondered about whether or not specifically Oregon would really benefit from the NIL, given their close relationship with Phil Knight and Nike. Um, I thought this could be a real opportunity for Oregon athletes, and now one has cashed in. Well done. Kayvon Thibodeau inking a six-figure deal with, indeed, Nike, and they have released an NFT created by Tinker Hatfield. So this does not surprise me. Um, They minted an NFT of Oregon star Kayvon Thibodeau in partnership with uh, Phil Knight under the new NCAA slash NIL rules. It's certainly a new day, as they say, for endorsements and likeness earnings um, for players, in particular superstar players. Now, again, this fits under the umbrella of two things I thought might happen. A, Phil Knight, Nike, Oregon players, working deals, especially uh, of the of the Nike variety, yes, but superstar players getting a head start on what is likely to be an NFL career, right? They're not betting on the backup guard. So they're betting on uh, this doing well and this this being a good use of their advertising dollars, um, both for Oregon, which Phil Knight loves, but also the player in Nike's relationship. And those are the kinds of players that are going to cash in on deals where you see these six-figure deals. Everybody else has a chance to maybe make 5, 10, 15, 25, 35 grand, which is not nothing. It's a big deal, especially when you're a broke college student and didn't have the means to go to work because of NCAA rules. So I want those players to benefit like the guys do, let's say, down in Miami at the gym membership, where what does that amount to, like five grand a year, 10 grand a year? Okay. That's, that's no money to most of us who work hard for a living, right? But when you're a kid and you're broke and you get five grand or 10 grand, yeah, man, that's nice. You can go out for dinner, go on a date, go do some things and pay off some bills, help your parents, those kinds of things. So I'm all for that, especially with the billions of dollars being made in college football, uh, much of that by the coaches. Uh, yeah, I'm for all that. But I, I wondered, I thought Oregon's in a unique position because of the relationship with Nike. And then somebody like Thibodeau, who's a superstar player, uh, is the first to take advantage of the new NIL bill that was passed last week. It's uh, a six-figure payday for him and his partnership with Nike. He's an early favorite, according to most draft projections, to be somewhere atop next year's 2022 draft. So, I mean, look, as a defender, he's actually, in some people's mind, the caliber of player that could get invited to the Heisman ceremony as a finalist. He's that kind of a talent. Uh, Non-fungible token, for those of you wondering what an NFT is, um, it's, um, you know, it's gonna, he's going to take advantage of the new technology, turn it into cash, and, uh, and, and his life just got better. This will just be a drop in the hat for the money that he's going to be making if – he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. He'll be a multimillionaire. This will seem like uh, pizza money to him uh, after next year's draft. Weird to think about the draft already. Also weird to think about this. NFL camps, kids. I know I've brought it up a lot today. 39 days and a wake-up for college football. 39 and a wake-up for the start of college football. What are you talking about, Jeff? Yes, sir. Tell you a funny story over the weekend along those lines that made me smile. 
my beautiful wife and I took it to Costco, as middle-aged parents are apt to do. And uh, we went there to pick up not only stockpile the food for these growing kids who eat us out of house and home, but also to, uh, I got to get new furniture, man. I got to get new furniture. And occasionally I see these couches at the Costco that I like because they've got, they're very modern. Uh, they've got your, your ports for your, your wires and all your, you know, your chargers and the like and all that. So I wanted to take a, a glance. I wanted to see, was there something there that I might like? Or do I need to do something more hoity-toity? We'll see. I want to go less hoity-toity because I have dogs. So anyhow, here we are. We go there, and uh, we're walking in, and the first thing I hear from two dudes over in the electronics section, which right off the bat, my cup of tea. That's how they get you, right? When you walk in, giant-ass, state-of-the-art, 88, 90-inch television. Even though I just bought one, they still lure me over. I always end up walking over there. And I walked over there. She goes, we just got an 83-inch television. What are you doing? Well, there's newer ones, babe. The technology is always changing. I just want to. Okay, I'm going over here. Meet me over at the Frozen Foods. I'll be there in a minute. Okay, I'll be there. You go ahead and go look at peas. I'm going to look at these TVs. So, anyhow, I did, and I heard these two gentlemen, one of them staring lovingly at a television and talking to his friend about how he had been saving up and was getting ready to pull the trigger, but he was trying to figure out which one. And his buddy goes, I see you working just in time. He goes, that's right, football season. And they kind of gave a little fist bump. It was almost like a sitcom. It was perfect. But they were giddy in the same way we're all giddy. Cowboys, Steelers, Buccaneers, opening camp this week. It starts right now. The Cowboys report first Wednesday. On Wednesday, they open camp. On Thursday, the Steelers open camp. And the Bucs begin this weekend with their camp underway. We are back, folks. The summer break nearly coming to a close. The arrival of NFL training camps mean nightly news updates on your favorite teams and players. Progress towards that first game, the Hall of Fame game, Thursday, August the 5th. It's the 19th of July. We got a football game, an actual honest-to-goodness football game. Doesn't count, but it's a real football game, as in guys wearing pads, beating on each other for our enjoyment. It happens August the 5th. And, man, in addition to that, you get the Cowboys on hard knocks. So we'll be watching that real soon, too. Now that camp opens up, you got football-related content. That's huge. And, of course, the Bucks kick off the season. They'll be at the White House this week. They'll give the jersey. They'll do the celebrations. They'll take the pictures. And they open the season Thursday, September the 9th against said Dallas Cowboys. So celebrate together, shall we all? It's the Jeff Cameron Show. Come back in a moment. Get to some probables. Talk about matchups, buyers and sellers and the like. And three, two, play that music, baby.
As you play the Beastie Boys, it reminds me of one Biz Marquis who passed away. Rest in peace, Biz. The weird thing about Biz Marquis is that um, everybody knew him for You Got What I Need and the hilarity of the video and the style in which he sang it and the auto-tune and all that fun stuff. But behind the scenes, um, I learned of Biz Marquis because of the Beastie Boys and their unique friendship and the time they spent together. But then they cut constant videos together over the years of just hanging out in the studio. And, of course, he's on a lot of Beastie's records and um, has these little bit parts that are sort of absurdist and fun. But I didn't realize until, you know, they kind of exposed um, what he meant to the culture, what he meant to, to hip-hop culture in New York and what he what he added to that culture in the sense of having a unique taste in music that crossed all genres and his ability to find records to sample. Like, he sampled a Helen Reddy record. On a, on a hip-hop album. You don't see that. And then in addition to that, he was a beatbox extraordinaire and could could sound like a sound system. And he was one of these unique talents in that regard. I mean, we all remember when that was a big deal. But to hear him do it, you're like, oh, well, that's otherworldly. And he would have fun with that, and he kept things light, and he just kind of enjoyed life, and people wanted to be around him all the time. And he knew where all the great record stores were, and he knew all that sort of stuff. So he was, he was of the culture, and he was uh, kind of beloved in that culture, the hip-hop culture, on both coasts. So uh, tip of the cap to, to Biz Marquis, uh, and uh, fitting that you played the Beastie Boys there. It is about that time for us to do the right thing and get to probables. By the way, we are very close to the trade deadline, and you can get into the buyers and sellers. Good article today on MLB.com. Who's buying, who's selling? Well, if you start by the divisions, AL East, they think the Blue Jays have the talent to make a run, feel like they have a hot streak in them that could catapult them in that race. So they believe that if for now the wild card spot is obtainable, that they'll be a buyer. The Orioles, obviously sellers going through a rebuild. The Rays, a buyer because they're right there. They're a team that could win the World Series. They always are shrewd. You'll, you'll likely see them make a move. The Red Sox in the same boat. The Yankees in the same boat. If you go to the AL Central, Indians, mm, unsure, really. They are a buyer and a seller according to uh, those that are kind of monitoring the Indians. Royals, same position. The Tigers will be a seller. The Twins will be a seller. The White Sox will be a buyer. And you go to the AL West. The Angels are both. The Astros, a buyer for sure. A's, also a buyer. Uh, Mariners, not so much. And then Rangers will be a seller at this point. Going to the National League, your Braves that you hear right here on 97.9 ESPN Radio will likely be a buyer, they think. But there is a thought that um, we'll see what kind of return. They'll dangle out a Charlie Morton or a Drew Smiley just to see what somebody might be willing to offer. If you get something that you can't refuse, it's probably time to to make a go of it. The Marlins, they got to sell. Mets will be buyers. Nats will be buyers. Phillies, undecided. You got you had a great weekend. What are you? I would say buyers considering the state of the division. I mean, the Mets are injury-ridden. Mm-hmm. Acuna went down for the Braves. It's kind of open right now. But the Phillies just need bullpen help. But I was um, I was excited about a potential rumor 
uh, that if Buxton didn't sign with the Twins, mm. they were going to trade him and the Phillies would be in the front seat for that trade. Well, I agree with your assessment of what they'll be because here's the deal. They do play 12 or 14 games before the deadline against teams with losing records. So you ought to beat the hell out of a lot of people here and make it very, very easy on Dombrowski to make a decision about what you are. The Brewers will be buyers. The Cardinals will likely be buyers. They are eight and a half games back. But that's close enough, and there's talent enough there. Cubs will be sellers. This is an interesting situation for them uh ever since that combination no hitter that they threw against the dodgers of all teams which are absolutely loaded they were feeling very good they led the nl central the next 11 games changed what they were because they lost 11 games in a row spiraled down the standings the brewers got hot simultaneous to that and after that prolonged slide it became very obvious that the cubs were willing to take on texts and phone calls about a potential rebuild and a timeline for a rebuild. Closer Craig Kimbrell, Chris Bryant, others perhaps on the chopping block for the Cubs. Pirates will no doubt be sellers. Uh, they, they have to be. They don't have a lot of uh, players that others want, but Adam Frazier would be one. Tyler Anderson might be one. Richard Rodriguez, the closer, would certainly be one. If there's any way that somebody wants to desperately please take Gregory Polanco off our hands, I will ship him caviar, whatever else you need to uh, your humble abode to please get Gregory Polanco off the Pirates roster. I can't stand him. It's not even healthy any longer i feel so vindicated in this moment you are vindicated in this moment should be noted that i sent a humorous or what i believe to be absurdist uh response tweet to a pittsburgh pirates beat reporter about the pirates being buyers or sellers or signing their players that they drafted and i jokingly noted that I wanted more information on whether or not the owner had died in a fiery car crash, thus relinquishing the opportunity for Mark Cuban to come in by the team and make a once-proud franchise capable of winning again. And that particular beat writer took me seriously because he must not be very bright and responded that I needed to get medical help or psychiatric help for wishing an owner to die in a car crash. Of course, nobody would read that on its face and think that I actually wanted the owner to die in a fiery car crash. Save for that, dumbass. Uh, The West will have the D-backs as sellers, Dodgers, buyers, Giants, buyers, and one of the great surprises of the season. Padres, certainly buyers. Rockies, sellers. And now it's time to bring you Probables, as brought to you by our friends at North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? That did crack me up. That guy thought I was serious. How does that... I'm the Obama Jeff, the... Just looking around like, what are we doing? You think that I'd send that to <laughs> uh, Twins and White Sox are playing right now. Griffin, Jacks, Lance, Lynn. Twins, White Sox, second game. We're going to be tonight. We've got Berrios and TBD. Marlins, Nets. TBD, TBD. Weird, tragic situation with the Nationals there. And 
you don't need my commentary on that. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Nick Pavetta, Ross Stripling, Rangers, Tigers, Kyle Gibson, Casey Mize. We've got Mets, Reds, Jared Eikhoff, and Vladimir Gutierrez. Orioles, Rays, Spencer Watkins, and Ryan Yarbrough. we got the Padres and the Braves, a game you can hear right here on 97.9 ESPN Radio tonight. Good game, in fact. You Darvish going to go for the Padres. Kyle Mueller going for the Braves. Let's have fun listening to that one together. Indians, Astros, J.C. Mejia, and Zach Greinke. You know, Zach Greinke gets kind of lost in the mix here. I just don't, I don't ever think of about Zach Greinke. He's having a good season. Cubs, Cards, old school rivalry. Alec Mills, Jake Woodford, Angels, A's, Shohei Atani time, everybody. Woohoo! I believe Shohei sits with 34 dongs on the season. Hit one over the weekend. A's, going to throw Cole Irvin. Good matchup between the Angels and the A's. Pirates and D backs. Oh, I'm buoyed by the opportunity to perhaps win some road games. I normally would never say that, but it is the D-backs. I probably just jinxed us. Chase DeJong. DeJong. Going to go for the Pirates, and that'll be uh, Caleb Smith going for the uh, D-backs. And finally, speaking of rivalries, let's get it on tonight. If you're staying up late watching nighttime baseball in Chavez Ravine, Giants-Dodgers, Kevin Gosman, Tony Gonsolin, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. That never end My fickle friend And the swim Good work out of you, Matthew. As always, thanks to all of you who called and or listened. That's an old school way of saying goodbye. Don't usually mention it. You guys have a great night. We'll talk together again tomorrow. Be well, everybody. The summer wind